0: What is up everybody this is the bodega border crew podcast volume 25 how are you guys doing out there uh sorry it took a little longer to put this episode out i was kind of uh in the desert at ces doing my day job the thing that pays the bills the thing that makes it possible for me to do this thing uh so i had to take a couple extra days uh meeting with some clients talking to some potential clients very boring stuff very not surf related it's good to be back in la uh, got back a few days ago, settled back in, had a fun session this morning, uh, logging with, uh, my boy from Lograp over at first point Malibu it was a lot of fun, uh, earlier on got crowded as usual, but, uh, I think there's a little swell in the water. I think it's going to be fun for the rest of the week uh, before I had to break it before I have to break out of here to go to Florida. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about it, but how are you guys scoring out there? Are you guys scoring some waves? I hope so. Uh, I know conditions are starting to improve. I know a lot of my boys out on the North Shore were fucking lighting it up. Uh, The the Dahui backdoor challenge was amazing. If anybody gets to see that video, you should check it out. Uh, I know why Mayo was off the hook yesterday. Uh, My boy Tyler was telling me that the waves have been pretty sick out there uh, with little wind, so they're getting a lot of that great swell and having a lot of great luck, and I hope you guys are getting a piece of that. But let's get into a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast volume 25 make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to check out our page bodega border crew.podbean.com as well as our full description on itunes uh, for track listings links to things we're talking about links pertaining to people we're talking with and speaking of people we're talking with uh, this week we're talking to uh, matt choinaki from uh, australia Uh, matt who goes by the name of the Waxhead on Instagram, is an amazing surfer, shaper, surf historian, surf judge, does a lot of everything. Uh, He works really closely with Bob McTavish. He's a wealth of knowledge of surf history in Australia. Uh, He gets into some really cool stuff in his interview, so make sure to stick around for that. This week on our short takes, we go over a couple things. One, faulty missile warning <laughs> that hit Hawaii that was kind of crazy uh, Two crowdfunding for surf films which I think is an interesting subject and a lot of people have been doing it uh, and I kind of want to talk about that for a little bit uh, also want to mention uh, a pop-up that's appeared at Fred Siegel and also um, a new f- mainstream film that's being directed by uh, people who do surf movies as well so make sure to stick around with that at the end. But again, I'm not gonna keep you too long here with me talking. I really wanna get into some tracks. Again, Matt picked some of these as our guests usually do. I picked the rest. Uh, let's try to figure out which ones he picked, which ones I picked, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll check in with you guys in a little bit. Peace.
1: Look, you wind up your hip. Drafting of the poets, i the number seven pick. Uh, licks, 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 boy, on uh, your backside. Uh, licks, 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 boy, on your backside. Uh, Listen to the fate of Shahid, let's it glide. Took the to body, heaven's on my side. Even in Santa Domingo. And I got a gringo. We got Mike's window ego. Know a little nigga who can rhyme when you ask me. Short, dark, and plus his voice is raspy. One for the trouble, two for the trouble. Water base you know the style tip
2: it's time to flip this i like my beats hard like two today oh shit steady eating booty MCs like cheese cakes. my man i'll be sure he's in effect mode used to have a crush on doing for men vote it's not like Honey dick would want to get with me but well, just in case i own my condoms you your seat now the formula is this me tipping ali for those who can't count it goes one The three they're the hey, i right i'm hey, big up, so. up is who i be. It's hard to do, but never me. Some others try to diss, for Malik. You see him bitching me, not care about them DBMC. But shit is hitting. Trini Gladiator, Anti Hesitator, Shaheed Push fader, from here to Grenada, Mr. Energetic. Will me sound pathetic? When's the last time you heard a of-
1: Poetry, I got a hump, finger, come and hook line and sinker. the timbo hoofs with the prints on the ground. Tin on the toes, I like the way it's going down. Down like a lady of the evening when it goes in tits, just believe the sin. Cause Queens is the county, Jamaica is the place. Take off your piece, bitch, you can't win the race. Oh
3: case something jumps Jumped off, get back up for the at the Pumped pump off. off. In the graveyard yo. is where you get stomped off. off. All we want to do is party. Buy everybody at the bar, card black Barbie dressed in Bagari. Ah. I'm trying to leave in somebody's Ferrari. Spread love, that's what a real mob do. Keep it gangster, look out for, for the people. people. I'm the wicked bitch of these, you better keep the peace. Hey, yo. The beast. We the best, still is room for improvement. Our presence is felt like a black, black movement. movement Seven quarter to eights, back to back, back when I'm sitting on chrome. Seven times. that's for my beats. With uh-huh. the bendies, the hummus, the
4: bends. Oh. Escalate, 20,
3: He rep the boys uh-huh. If you rep your hood Just then make some noise. some noise I got my eye on a guy In the war room don't eat no cream bee, got the ill deep throat Let me show you what I'm all about How I make a Sprite can disappear in my mouth Whoa. Shake up the dice, throw down your ice Bet it all, play your fucking dice. Fuck Money ain't a thing, throw it out like rice Been around the world, cop the same thing twice Rub on my tits, squeeze on my ass Give me some step <laughs> on the gas Pop the cork and roll up the hash You know what we about, sex,
4: drugs, cash With the bendies, the hummus, the bends oh, oh. We think Trammies Jumping out the jackpot oh. with the Tempies Kick your bread up and live good oh. East Coast, West Coast, world
3: Playboy, pinup girl, Girl. butt naked, dressed in nothing but pearls. You want to meet me? Cause you know I'm freaky and you want to eat me? Cause you say I'm sexy. Got a man in Japan and a dude in Tahiti. Believe me, sweetie. I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends. That's pretty. Chicks by the layers. All different flavors. Mafioso. That's how this thing goes. Come get me, the, the limbo Shake your body, buddy Move your body, buddy body, body. On the dance floor Don't hurt nobody. body, running. I'm the one that put the range in a rover When I'm stepping out the range Yo, It's sober? over Coming through in the Brooklyn here We gon' do this just like Big
4: Pop was This is for my piece, With the Bentley's The Hummer's the Benz Escalade 23-inch rims. Jumping out the Jaguar with the Tens Keep your bread up And live
5: Red up, yeah, and worldwide, the mm-hmm. state of my yeah man, right, right 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 Queen B, LB, 2003, why not, we make it high, come through, blow the spot, come on. Yeah. Hey, yo. Cause man, I come giving I you more and more. Bass. Like, thing, not sure to get you open yeah. like six packs. Killer will be exact flipping what? Murder one fat tracks, all right? I kick it like a night flight. Work like I get that ass wrong on spike. Shake the method from back rock. Because I rock your head to bed. Just like rock what? Twin clock. Shake the ground while my beats just break it down. Raw sound, going to war right now to your bombing. We usually take on niggas' garments. Save your breath before I bomb. I be that insane nigga from the psycho ward. I'm on the trigger, plus I got the Wu-Tang swords on how you figure, and you can even fuck with my. Hey, yo, Risa, hit me with that shit, one time and pull the plow. Niggas say me, the be for the caps. I'm milking this hoe. this is my show to cap. The fuck you want to do for this bike beef? Do I'm like a sniper, I off the ginseng roof. Yellow stare, who the monks with the air, the fucking man with the yeah. I leave the mic in body bags, my rap style has the force to leave you lost like the drivers of bears. Murderous material made by Madman It's the mic micbrecker, inspector, bad man from the bad lands of the killer, black fanatic, representing with the skill that's killer. Dare to compare, get pierced just like an ear, the shoe we do I'm I just broke out the
6: prison Charged by the system For murdering the rhythm Now lo and behold Another deadly
5: episode Bound to catch another fucking charge When I explode Slamming a high
4: I ran up in spots like four knocks. I'm hot, top notch, ghost things with logic, flashbacks how I attacked your whole project, I'm raw, I'm rugged and raw, I repeat if I die, my seed will be ill like me, approaching me, you out of respect, chops your neck, I get vexed like crashing up a fat ass leg, so clear the way, make way, yo, open the gates, peace of mouth, sitting like a runaway now, slave, you're getting stripped
5: from the it's way, one Hold the mess, got me over life a being tool. I bring death to a snake when he least expects. Ain't a damn thing, change boy, but check your neck. Ooh, a zigzag. Take a large, damn it's spade, oh. the snake, my wound tangs bored. Right through your neighbor, suspenseful. Walk being bought through my utensil, the pencil. I for, hung winds up against you. Have a been went through your county like the maverick. Capsule the tablet, I got to make the fabrics.
7: Are, 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 are you a warrior? Slicing shit like a samurai The old dirty bastard from the bar Old dirty clan of terrorists Coming at your ass like a sorceress Shooting that piss Niggas be getting on my fucking nose But I said we kick it want to kick their fucking ass to the curb We got monkey press Like the old specialist You're A carrier, messenger, carrier This experience is for the whole experience They to be flying <laughs> Playing a stick like plaster, rusher, slasher, split a nigga back like a Dutch master killer. Now jumped off and killer, Hiller. I was the thriller in the alley, Frazier Manila. I came down with fat tracks that track stick, combine in a lock, like getting smashed by center Block. Bow, now it's all over. Niggas seeing pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars and green clovers. I'ma Hey, hey, hey. Make sure that my point is understood. That when it comes to this, there's none greater. Sincerely yours, the smooth operator. Just, just,
6: just sound so smooth. Just, just sound so smooth. Now ain't that debacle and the kiddo black Saying
7: I'm a new jack, you need to be smacked. The smooth way I say them and the way I display them To make them sound different in a way that's gifted in ham Making sure every lyric is done fine And I make one line, right as the sunshine Attacking like bobaters on a corp If you know like I know, step off Competition, I'ma get rid of You can't get a bit of So just consider A break, the rest, vacation, hibernation And make way for my smooth operation I'm a smooth operator
6: Just i so smooth i I'm so smooth, Cause I'm so smooth.
0: Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 25. Hope you guys have been digging the tracks I've been picking for this episode. Some of them were Matt's picks, some of them were mine. Uh, Hope you like that uh, Wu-Tang, Seven Chamber Part 2 from 36 Chambers. It's one of my favorite tracks on that album. It gets often overlooked because everyone, you know, remembers Method Man, uh, Mystery of Chess Boxing, uh, Protect Your Neck, etc. Cream. Uh, and forgets there's some other tracks on there that are just just as sick, and this is one of them. Uh, lyrically, I think what they were doing on this track was a setup for what their solo albums would be like. I think it's the most, ma- lyrically, the most mature track on the on the album. And as you all know, their solo albums afterwards, they really all developed their own style, you know, from Method to ODB to Jizza to Ray, Raekwon and uh, Ghostface. Uh, RZA, they all start developing their own identity. I think this song does a really good job in them starting to establish that. And I think it's really interesting to listen to. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page at Bodega bodegabordercrew.podbean.com as well as our full description on iTunes for track listings, links to things we're talking about, and links pertaining to things we're talking to people with. Uh, Speaking of people, uh, this is an interview that we did with uh, Matt Choinaki, who's from Australia, uh, has a really interesting stories to tell about surf history, shaping, uh, just everything. I, I got a chance to hang out with him, you know, on and off for a couple of days while he was here in Southern California, and we got to talk a lot about a lot of different things. He's one of the biggest wealth of knowledge I've ever met having to do with the, the transition era of surfing. And for me, that's the part of uh, surf culture and history that like I love the most, the whole uh, evolution of surfing from long to short and going back again and I think he gives a little valuable insight. But without any further ado, I'm gonna have you guys check out the interview and then I'll check in with you guys in a little bit. Uh, So where were you born and where did you grow up?
8: I was born on Sydney's northern beaches, Uh uh, which is just on the north side of the Harbour Bridge. Um, Sydney, we've got it separated between the north, south and eastern beaches. Uh And then you got the western suburbs, which is landlocked. But uh, yeah the northern side which is a peninsula between Manly and Palm Beach okay I grew up right smack bang in the middle oh wow um, Collaroy long reef area
0: okay and uh, how did you get into surfing
8: always being around the beach where I lives uh, a relatively white neighborhood uh-huh. and surf safety is a pretty big thing in Australia in general okay but primarily for my parents to let me Hang around the beach with my friends and do what all the other kids are doing at school. Uh-huh. They wanted me to join the uh, the nippers, which is our junior lifeguards. Okay. And they said, "You can't surf until you show, you know, some water safety, some general oh, water that's safety." that's pretty smart. I did it. Kicked it off straight away. I, I took to it pretty well uh-huh. and had my surf first surfboard at, at seven. But I was standing up on body boards and uh-huh. it was quite obvious that I wanted to surf.
0: So were your parents taking you to the beach and stuff like that? Like, was it something that was like a family thing or is it something that you kind of solely gravitated towards? Uh,
8: definitely a family thing to start with. Just grandparents and parents hanging out at the beach and you see uh-huh. the surfers. Uh-huh. It was quite a safe, comforting community. Uh-huh. Uh, I think from an early age, I always remember my parents knowing surfing was, it was, a, it was a good activity to get involved with. Uh-huh. It wasn't caught up with, at that time... It wasn't caught up with anything uh, too bad, as yeah. skating, skating was, and, yeah. you know, football players were, uh, they were good on the field, but pretty naughty <laughs> off the field, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it was, uh, surfing was, a, in, in hindsight, I look back, it was they're probably quite thankful that I took to it as, uh, as well as I did.
0: Did either one of them surf? Uh,
8: my father sort of dabbled with it, like, okay. uh, he's part of uh, the baby boomer generation, which is post-World War II prosperity, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, felt around the world, that, that demographic, uh, that sort of were bred, yeah. After World War Two, you uh, know, from the late forties to the late fifties, right? They're spread around the world, and uh, Australia had a big influx of immigrants from that period and onwards through the sixties. So we became very multicultural very quickly. Uh-huh. When my dad uh, came as a child, he was from Poland originally with his uh, with his parents. All he wanted to do was was uh, become Australian. He wanted to assimilate and it wasn't that he wanted to lose his heritage his parents worked three jobs and they went to english school and mm-hmm. uh, did everything they could to provide for their kids but to bring them up with the australian culture in mind uh-huh. so instinctively he just wanted to surf and drive a holden and, and uh <laughs> holden is our general motors yeah uh, offshoot it's gmh general motors holden Yeah, uh, you know we had fords and then Chryslers and stuff like that. But uh yeah, he wanted to drive a Holden and, and surf and he dabbled with that and um yeah, he sort of gave it up when the same old story. He had kids and worked really hard and uh he's always been into cars. Uh huh. But he sort of, I guess the cars took over when he had kids and we run we still run the business that he's that he started in back then. So uh
0: And that's like a, that's a car shop.
8: Yeah, yeah. Uh Primarily back then it was just uh, accident repairs, uh-huh. you know, collision repairs, but seeing as uh, he grew up in that, that era of steel bumper cars yeah. and, and old old metal, uh, <laughs> doing restorations is is kind of just what he's cut his teeth on. Uh-huh. So yeah, now we're doing mostly classic cars.
0: And you guys do it together? Yeah, we do it together. So that's like kind of awesome. That's like a great business to have together.
8: Exactly. He got me into surfing. Like He sort of got back into surfing when I showed the interest. In Uh the junior Uh lifeguards and uh, basically went surfing with me at a stage I remember I was probably nine years old Uh till I was about 14 Uh every single morning I'd wake him up at 530 I'd sometimes sleep by his bed Uh and we would sort of sneak out of the house and wake my (laughs) mum up we'd pack the boards and we'd go surfing um, every day oh
0: wow and
8: yeah some very nice experiences and I learned a lot about Surf forecast and uh, winds and swell directions because uh-huh. I was up so early every day of my uh, early teenage uh-huh. and you know later sort of preteen age. I learned a lot about uh, weather patterns, right? And you'd see that there was a you know a south wind or a south change predicted on the east coast of Australia and then all the northern beaches there. That's, that's generally a pretty gloomy yeah. change, and you don't want to be surfing when that comes through. But I'd think. Well, he still got a couple of hours before that came through, and I sort of was able to make up my own minds after looking at. This is before surf forecasts yeah, on the yeah. internet. I'd see it on the internet. I'd see it on the uh, in the paper or in the uh, news report on the TV, yeah. and I I started to sort of work out. You know, thanks to my dad and taking a surfing in the early in the morning, I was able to work out my own. You know, methods of surf forecasting, uh-huh. and that's invaluable experience now as I've travelled and
0: well yeah it's also i mean i think most of the internet surf cor- forecasting is absolute bullshit like you can't go by this i mean the joke we make here in the states it's like you can't trust surf line. yeah like we don't even call it surf line. we call it surf because it's like no It's like they're gonna predict that it's like like offshore glassy five feet and then you go it's like oh, i'm sure <laughs> it's like crumbling you're like no um so it's good to know i know there's like a couple of books out there that are really good that i've kind of studied up on where it's more about like what you're saying like not even thinking about the necessarily the waves, but really thinking about the weather patterns and how sure. that impacts impacts the water. Now, when you first started surfing, um, uh, what was the board scenario there? Like, what was like, what were the boards that you were surfing?
8: At the beginning, it was a body board or standing up uh-huh. on a, on a bodyboard and was, yeah, straight away it was like I needed a stand up board. Went to the local surf shop, had thirty bucks. Uh-huh. There was a a hot buttered. Uh-huh. It was a double flyer, swallowtail thruster,
0: uh-huh.
8: five foot six. Uh-huh. Still got the board now. It had on the back thruster <laughs> written, written, like it was this big phenomenon. <laughs> uh, and Northern Beaches surf history. So we have, uh, you know, North Narrabeen, which is the key wave in yeah. our stretch of beaches, is very close to an industrial estate called Brookvale. Uh-huh. That's where I live now. And Terry Fitzgerald of Hot Buttered Fame. He. He just he made boards right from the late '60s, and he's still making boards now. But I guess in that era of the crossover era of the, you know '70s, '80s, and '90s, uh, he was a little late to the party with the thrusters. Uh-huh. So for him to make a thruster, I suppose it was big deal. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So I still got that board. It was five foot six, super super chunky, uh-huh. and like super floaty. Super floaty. And given it was 1997 or '96 when I purchased that board. Okay. Mini mouths, as we call them in Australia, yeah. or even softboards for that matter, weren't really around. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing in between. You had a shortboard and a longboard, a bodyboard and a knee board. Uh-huh. There was no hybrid boards. Yeah. So I was very thankful to be able to jump on a flat rocket, thick surfboard, because yeah. I learned straight away about uh, you know the ba- basic, but you know, it's trim. Yeah. At, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, on a
0: flat board, that's pretty much what you're gonna be doing.
8: I was young and I remember getting yeah. like little head dips at, and you know, knee high waves. Yeah. Well, back then it was probably shoulder high for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too much, I'm not too much taller now. They not like
0: pipeline, right? It's like when Dude, two feet sure. feels like pipeline.
8: <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, started on that. And I actually started riding my father's longboard as he'd hop out of the water and get changed for work. I'd quickly get a few waves uh-huh. on his longboard almost every day.
0: And what was that? Do you remember what that board yeah, was? Yeah, it was
8: a nine foot six McTavish Ray leave model. Oh, It had uh, the big M logo, Uh had the flames coming down the deck. Uh It was blue with actually red flames with the blue combined. Uh It was a pretty wicked looking board, but even then I thought it was kind of embarrassing.
0: You're like, Yeah, it was like
8: the second hand sort of board that that he got at Bennett surfboards. It was on the second hand rack, but now we're back on it and I'm like, i've just ordered i've just ordered a Ray leave model yeah oh uh, really from, from bob yeah I, I said i want exactly what ray had in so. 96 97 and turns out it was in my head the whole time i just had to you know uh conjure it up yeah, yeah. and um but yeah from there i got a taste of what it was like to ride a longer board and uh. i wasn't into it because of the fashion or the uh, functionality it was purely just the enjoyment of riding mm-hmm. nine foot surfboards long rails
0: Um, so I mean because it wasn't like then it wasn't even popular like no one that was that period where it was like it was kind of looked down on
8: I remember even having a go in that last sort of couple of waves of the session being um, uh, I've always had a pretty thick skin but I I remember getting very bad looks back then of adults uh, thinking and I probably didn't know much about uh, ethics in the surf and whatnot, but I was able to catch whatever waves I could get, whether on a shortboard or on a longboard. Yeah. You know, I only weighed like like thirty kilos. I don't know what that is in pounds, yeah. but that's pretty light, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but even then, I remember it was a there was a little bit of prejudice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as that sort of went on and I got a bit more addicted, um, I dad got another longboard. I kept riding that, and it was actually at a regional contest, my first contest. Uh, I just started going the local board rider I'd always done the shortboard contest yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty young I was only 11 or 12 at this oh, stage wow, okay. and John Gill of Keo Surfboards yeah. um, Keo is still alive and kicking that's a legendary 60s brand Yeah, yeah. but John uh, actually watched me surf at the regional titles and um, he, yeah I began a sp- long sponsorship with Keo from that day forward and um, John sort of took me under his wing and uh, he asked me the, the first questions, first time we went surfing after that contest, he asked me who my favorite surfers were. Uh-huh. And I think it blew him away that I actually knew some contemporary longboarders. Uh-huh. I was already enthralled in the art of longboarding, yeah. even though I pretty much had very little understanding of it all. I just saw what I liked in these uh-huh. films, and those two films I had were The Seedling and uh-huh. Longboarding's Not a Crime. Uh-huh. It was a Chris Bystrom film. Longboarding's Not a Crime, had all the best guys it was like the who's who type of film it was like one of the cj's films from a a few years ago steve cleveland but in the 90s yeah so you had guys like uh you had joel in it joel shooter uh ray Gleave, great sections uh bonga perkins in hawaii yeah um, and all those hawaiian guys charging and i was just and jason Blewitt, all these these legends not necessarily logging straight up but surfing functionally Uh and I thought oh that's really cool you know they're they're obviously longboarders that's where the longboarder is yeah then watching the seedling was almost straight away I could see the divide it was like these guys in the seedling were were loggers that was the first time I'd ever heard or used the word logging Uh you know they're surfing under head high waves yeah beautiful and I can really relate to their approach, even after surfing Rincon just this morning, uh, I can definitely feel those California vibes that the seedling emits so yeah. vibrantly. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, Australia doesn't really have that type of uh, logging atmosphere or it didn't then. Right. And now it's definitely heading well that's line.
0: what i was going to say so like when you were getting into this like you know i mean the seedling is something that a lot of people cite and they always will cite as kind of being the one where it's like the crossover right mm-hmm. because you have a lot of these older movies like you could go back to like bruce brown films and like steve uh, steverson movies and like stuff like that which was really old movies like surfing holidays and stuff like sure. that which are you know you're seeing mm-hmm. you're seeing like the webers and you're seeing all these kind of guys phil edwards and stuff and then like the seedling was kind of that next jump right where it was like oh now so but you're saying like obviously for us i think as eye-opening as it was people were seeing firsthand some of this stuff right yeah so for you guys out there like none of this was really happening yet
8: pretty much uh to my knowledge not at all it was just uh a californian uh, thing the logging revival Uh but uh, yeah well back to what what john was driving in his um 1980s uh A 3 Transporter van It was a Volkswagen A really cool square shape Right now They're going for a bunch of money And I bet you John wishes he kept it Yeah (laughs) We're cruising along I thought it was The coolest surf van ever uh, Even though realistically It was like A 15 year old Van With Mm -hmm. probably high mileage
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah And I'm
8: like awesome This thing's cool So we went surfing asked me Who my favourite surfers were I said Ray Gleave And Joel Tudor And Straight away He's Probably eyes lit up Because John He's his name now is um very well known in surfing communities but back then he'd sort of he dabbled in some like uh qualifying longboard contests oh. and he was very good on a state and national level but he never really traveled that much but his favorite surfers were like ray Gleave and joel tudor as well yeah. so he had he's a goofy footer and he has this this approach very much californian with his you know arms very calm but his drop knee just like ray Gleave a nice Big arched drop knee, and you know, covers a lot of room on the way a lot of, a lot of area on the wave for that drop knee. And he taught me how to bottom turn. John taught me how to drop knee. He almost was. We always did basically a, a casual surf clinic every time we surfed. Wow! I learned how to nose ride properly. Uh, he pretty much taught me everything I know about everything I know today, uh, uh-huh. or started me off at least was was John Gill, and. The more I got to know John, the more I realized uh, just how legitimate he was as a core surfer. Uh-huh. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on, about what core, what it means to be a core surfer. But uh, I had those roots on the longboarding side already being uh, fed to me uh-huh. but without knowing it. Just riding these Keo surfboards, I sort of, you know, I was already getting, you know, talking to these old guys, oh, Keo, you know. Like, yeah. I was only, yeah, I had I was 11, 12 on the Keos, so right through my teenage years i had old guys in the parking lot anywhere in the in the whole country oh keogh used to have one used to have this used to have that so and so shaped this and i'd be fed this knowledge whether i wanted it or not because i had this classic People were just coming
0: up to you yeah Yeah.
8: and my first proper log uh hayden lewis shaped for me under the keogh label that was in uh 2002 so it would have been about 13 Uh or something like that 14. And that, yeah, I was sold straight away. You know, I, all I wanted was a smooth, smoothie wetsuit. Yeah. Uh, short shorts. You could not buy above the knee trunks. Impossible in Australia <laughs> at the time. I remember wearing um, uh, boxer shorts. I don't know what you call them over here. Yeah, yeah. Like, like literally like,
0: mm-hmm.
8: you know, pajamas. Yeah. I, I saw this like camo pair of pajamas.
0: And you know, like, that works. I thought they
8: kind of passed. Like it yeah. <laughs> trunks. Well, my mum was just like, I used to dress <laughs> super... i guess now people look back on it as queer but i just was trying to find my thing you know trying to well you're
0: young too and it's like you're being introduced into this thing that's almost like it's almost like retro modern in a sense it's like it's like it's coming from old but there's this new interpretation of it right
8: exactly right but meanwhile on the shortboard side i was always writing shortboards Mm -hmm. and in the same factory as the keo factory was um Luke Short Designs LSD, uh-huh. and he was a like a, a core shortboard guy, and he had some very good surfers riding for him at the time. And I had a bunch of shortboards off him. And growing up at my local beach, it was pretty much all shortboarding, unless it was specifically a logging day. Yeah. And I would ride a log. They'd yep. still be on their shortboards. Yeah. So pretty much from the age of yeah eleven onwards, there's been no bad summers or no bad winters, uh-huh. spring to autumns. It's been surf. Yeah. 365 days of the year right. because of the right boards and it was just by luck I guess that well maybe it wasn't by luck but it was just so cool that I had the opportunity to learn about quivers uh-huh. at such an early age yeah and uh, yeah and weather patterns and stuff like that I was able to start going okay well, I'll probably be riding my log so dad tomorrow morning can you give me a lift down to the yeah. beach because I can go surf this spot and he'd uh-huh. like, yeah cool I'll drop you off pick you up in three hours
0: Well, it's like, I mean, a quiver, the the quote that I remember Thomas Campbell using in the last, like, two years was, there's more a quote about vans, Mm -hmm. but it was sort of how he said that owning a van for surfing is like having a golf bag in the sense that you could put your whole quiver in there, like, you could put your putter, your driver, you know, your your chipper and stuff, meaning you could have your glider, your log, your fish, your whole thing, and then you Mm -hmm. pull up and you're like, okay, it's this kind of day, so I'm taking this out. I mean, I feel that's something that, people neglect to realize with a lot of loggers is that they're ju- not just logging, like logging tends to be the thing that they get a lot of visibility from, but they're just basically riding, like yourself, riding the right board for the right conditions.
8: Well, that analogy is the golf club and the van analogy is spot on. Uh, I can't believe, I've never really heard it outside of, just until recently, yeah. but it, it summarizes what any good surfer should be looking at in their quiver. You know. Mm-hmm to be able to travel you know even based in Los Angeles to be able to have the you have good waves here yeah and people constantly complain about how how crappy it is but I mean you've just got to travel you know maybe two to three hours south two to three hours north yeah and you've got world-class waves yeah you've just got to have the quiver and the van set up to just just go and it's like that in australia too yeah um, we're but we're
0: also like here's the thing like that that's it, it sounds very sim- simplistic in that sense like the two three hour like drive mm. but you you do realize we're the country of fast food so mm, <laughs> we like convenience <that's> <laughs> like like yeah. like which just kind of gets me because like look when i go out typically and i don't have a van even like look i have like a i like to say it's a German. German-made Subaru, Mm -hmm. Um, but basically, you know, I have two or three boards with me at all times because I'm like, look, I don't want to get in my car knowing that even if I'm going 40 minutes that Mm -hmm. I show up and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have brought this or I wish I would have brought that. So to your point, yeah, it's like in in LA, you could, LA County, up and down an hour, even an hour north or south, you could find something any given day. You just have to be willing to be like, okay, today's just going to be a logging day or today it's going to be like, Hey, I'm gonna get closed out on it a lot, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna really need a fast, small, quick board. Like- that's
8: it. If you want quality waves, the options are there, and you still need a quiver. Yeah. And to find quality waves, well, if you've got a quiver, anything, anything that's pretty much, I mean, but then again, uh, offshore waves from you know knee to overhead depends what quality wave. A big wave guy might not even get out of bed until it's you know six to eight feet plus. Yeah. But if you have a quiver, as I said before. You can pretty much surf on most coastlines 365 days of the year. Yeah, you'll um, find something. But you won't see me on a, on a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a long-distance paddleboard. Yeah. Pr- you know, like on my stomach or whatever. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, there's even air guys at home who love just hunting little rip bowls. Mm-hmm. And they love those sort of, those reefs that we've got a lot of slabby reefs. Yeah. And they'll go surfing when it's slightly onshore. I couldn't think of anything worse than surfing an onshore, you know, underhead high reef break. Yeah. It just, it's my worst nightmare. Yeah, it's a, Yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, the chance of obviously getting hurt, unpredictable, yeah, you know, shifty reefs. But they love it because, and bodybuilders do they hit yeah. those ramps and they do their thing in the air and. Yeah,
0: yeah.
8: Um, but yeah, I'm pretty. I've got a pretty holistic view on the quivers, and I think that that. That analogy about the golf clubs should be used by nearly every single surf shop. Yeah, it's
0: when, when I heard it I'm like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find new boards. Yeah. Um <laughs> which my wife wasn't happy about. Now
8: um <laughs> Well storage is the other thing, yeah. yeah. Oh. You got the van, you got the quiver and then it's like where do you put them?
0: Yeah, it's like like um I, I forgot whose house oh, I, I was at, at Devin's house and Devon's like has them like all over his house like it's just like leaning against stuff it's part of the furniture yeah yeah and yeah. i'm like yeah i have, I have like a, a one and a half year old that's <laughs> not gonna work um now so you were logging um you're about like 12 or 12 mm-hmm. years old something yep. seedlings coming out um you're having a lot of these older guys who are some of the guys who were like you would say it's like kind of like your crew that you like surfed with
8: uh we had a little crew in the northern beaches there was Literally you could count on two hands the amount of people who rode single fin longboards mm-hmm. on the whole east coast of Australia and now I'm talking from like Victoria all the way out to Noosa and there was little pockets of, of Good surfers, but none of them were uh, They might ride well Australia has always had a healthy uh, What we call old male culture, which uh-huh. is the, the vintage longboards, Because uh-huh. uh, we had so many boards that were left in such good condition in the later 60s period which we'll touch on later on, I'm sure there was an abundance that were in really good condition through the seventies, eighties and nineties uh-huh. and longboarding, not logging, but longboarding as it's revival in the eighties. Uh, a lot of those guys who grew up riding the longboards were well, surfboards back then, but a lot of the guys sort of might've given away for, you know, 10, 15 years. And when contests and clubs started starting back up in the mid, mid eighties, there was little circuits and offshoots so that the, uh, WCT they you know ASP had a yeah. longboard tour and stuff like that uh, a lot of those guys that still they'd have these old boards so they decided to run the old Malibu divisions yeah uh, back then the boards are only 20 25 years old and but there's some great surfers came out of that era riding those old boards but besides those guys who grew up with the longboards it was mostly the generations back as I said so we had a uh, John Gill there was a guy who now well he started the brand uh Critical Slide Society Yeah Previous to that It was Short Straw Jim Mitchell uh-huh. uh, He was He was a legend He was a super creative type Always had uh, Classic cars Yeah Cruising the peninsula in his, in his cool cars He was an early influence For sure Another guy Eric Brown Who He had a bunch of covers Of our Australian Longboard magazine And Pacific Longboarder magazine Hanging 10 Super relaxed In the era of f- Complete high performance Longboarding yeah. it was really cool to see someone you know standing upright hanging ten uh-huh. and um another guy Carl Gonzales. he came a little bit later but um we've pretty much been a sounding board for each other uh for the last ten plus years oh cool um yeah he's the same age and um, oh
0: nice
8: he's pretty much the only other uh kid it was I mean and up in Noosa you, you had Jai Lee and Matt Cudahy yeah Jacob Stuth and Tom Wagner um Couple other like guy, guys, but mostly they're just like like Dane Peterson was in the country around that time yeah. as well with Belinda Bags. Yeah. Um, but they were sort of dotting themselves up and down the coast. But the, besides that, you had Andy Warhurst and Geordie Brown in Victoria, and a couple a couple of core dudes who'd ride the old mouths and some of their logs as well. So would
0: you see these guys like at like the local like the the club contests or like
8: the Noosa Festival of Surfing uh-huh. was pretty much the melting pot for um, any longboarder in the early 2000s. Okay. Heaps of guys had come over from the States and Japan. I got introduced to someone who are now my best friends, guys at like Utah from Japan, uh-huh. um, Christian Walk from over here, uh, Mikey De Temple had come over, um, Alex Nost, he was 15 or 16 when he first came over, I was uh-huh. 12 or 13. Uh, first seeing him surf was just like a trip out and yeah. uh, yeah, it was the melting pot, and if it wasn't for that sort of festival, uh-huh. logging never really would have taken off. I don't think. Um, and I
0: think it's well. I think it's it's helped not just in Australia. I think it's helped here. I mean, it's one of the events that like everybody looks to, and it's kind of like, I mean, I know like I'm I'm going in like two years um, cool. to it, and it's kind of like the thing that I look at as being like there's nothing, kind of more relevant yep. happening in logging, like in terms of the whole thing. I'm like. This is what should be fucking going on, like this kind of thing. Now, speaking of that, now, I know one thing everybody likes to claim, you know, we have a lot of these claims to this this term, Surf City, right? Mm -hmm. So, we have the Huntington version, Mm -hmm. we have the Hermosa Beach version, we have the Santa Cruz version. Sure. So, what's your take on that whole thing?
8: Well... In Australia, I'm sure Surfer's Paradise, which is on the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. they'd claim to be Surf City, or at least the Gold Coast around the Snapper Rocks area. Right. Because they've had Steph Gilmore and uh, Joe Parkinson, Mick Fanning mm-hmm. yeah, around that area. But prior to that, the, their world title uh, contenders were kind of scattered in eras. Yeah. Um, uh, way back before you had you know MP and Rabbit and uh, Peter Druin, but it sort of went through a bit of a lull period and that lull period was super dominant on the northern beaches where I'm from. You know, there's more world champions in our little peninsula than any other area in the world. I mean, it goes from uh, Midget Farrelly, Nat Young, and you go forward and you go, you look at guys like, it was a a bit of a lull there in the 70s but we had um, Tom Carroll, Mm -hmm. Barton Lynch, Damien Hardman, Lane Beachley, And in that uh, sort of era of the '70s, '80s, and '90s, we had probably more WCT surfers than any other place in the world as well. So it was, and that's there's no coincidence for that because it stems from our board industry in Brookvale, which is the industrial estate just west of Manly, which is where the first first world titles were held. Yeah, Uh, that's that's Surfboard Alley, and it was in the '60s. There's still To a degree pretty dominant these days but nowhere near as important as it was in the 60s and 70s and in terms of a surf city well these surf cities wouldn't have evolved the way they have if it wasn't for uh a lot of the inventions and a lot of the uh like with the mentality that was spawned out of my local area of, of the northern beaches and i mean for a starter bob mctavish shaped the first shortboards right in sydenham road the keo factory in brookvale yeah that's 150 meters from my my workplace now Mm. around the corner you had shane surfboards who were very dominant in the late 60s he was one of the first guys to really take the the free-form thinking and the um creative types and put them into the shaping bay Mm -hmm. and create something that was uh I guess realistically A representation of What was in the heads Yeah And uh, so you had that You had Barry Bennett Gordon Woods uh, You had early A lot of the early guys Guys at like Joe Larkin Moved up the coast uh-huh. uh, You had McDonough surfboards Dale surfboards Scott Dillon surfboards uh, Terry Fitzgerald but as you go from Bobby Tavish in 66 67 shaping the involvement style boards which evolved into the V bottoms which mm-hmm. then evolved into the eggs mm-hmm. and then went super super short midget farrelly was there right through shaping as well right we had stringless boards coming out coming out um, all sub eight foot and seven foot meanwhile over here in your surf cities guys are riding 10 feet nose riders yeah yeah they're, out still, beaches.
0: yeah they're still riding logs i mean in that involvement or some people call it like the transition era. Um, there were designs, what I've heard told to me, and I think this is what's the most interesting to, thing to me, is that there were basically designs being made by the day that people rode for like a day or two and mm-hmm. then they moved on to the next thing.
8: Exactly what I've heard as well. Uh,
0: Which is like insane to me because some of these designs are like, well, what the fuck happened to them? You know.
8: Well, I speak a lot of history stuff and it's not made up. It's, um, I guess, a conglomerate of, what have been taught by directly by guys that lived in the, in the time. But I also had a, a, a pretty big collection of uh, books and uh, videos in the early days as too. My primary school, which is our, um, like when you're uh, five years old to 12 years old um, in Australia, it's what we call the primary school, was littered with surf history books. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's a little bit of a, I, I guess, a, an emotional story for one of the teachers but yeah, long story short, her husband was very important in the scheme of big wave surfing in Australia, uh-huh. and um, well, her late husband, and a lot of the books were donated. Well, donated or you know, sort of given, maybe they were just taking up junk in the house at the time, yeah. but at the end of the day, I'd got a hold of them, and I was reading them in the library. I didn't realize what I was feeding into my brain. I just found it really interesting uh-huh. looking at pictures of Brookvale in the 60s. You know, There was a fantastic plastic machine Pictorial
0: Oh wow
8: Which would be worth A bunch of money now Oh yeah uh, Nat Young's History of Surfing Mark Warren's Surf Atlas Like all these oh, Really God. cool uh, Books that I'd read every day Every single day When I'm meant to be Reading about like, Birds or um, You know How a computer works <laughs> I was like oh, I'm going to read About Waikiki yeah. Beach Boys today Yeah. I'd, and I'd, honestly I would read too I would read the whole thing And I'd rent that book out And I would keep it till I had to take it back And learning all about That history I sort of realised that no one had really covered the, I guess the, the expansive influence that my area had on surfing, yeah. and it's there's a couple of, yeah, a couple of things that I've sort of spoken about, and there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago that I assisted with called Men of Wood and Foam, uh-huh. and it documented the the six pioneers of the Australian surfboard industry, which is based around the Brookvale area, and a lot of the stuff. That has happened in modern day surfing, we can really attribute. So, you had obviously the, the shorter boards coming mm-hmm. out of our area, but power surfing in general, yep. the mentality of, uh, I guess, what McTavish says is the stab and slash. So, that's coming out of the involvement era. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking, when we say involvement, we're talking about uh, boards generally nine feet and over, between nine feet and nine six. The wide point, two, four, six inches behind our mm-hmm. center. Uh, a greeno-inspired or, or some sort of flex fin mm-hmm. and basically taking the California pig, knifing out the rails, mm-hmm. making the nose a little more uh, user-friendly and actually putting some um, you know, uh, usable rails around that nose area yeah. and a, a belly around that wide point. Every step forward from that wide point is fast. So you step forward like a little cat like Dora, yeah. You stab a section,
0: mm-hmm.
8: but unlike your Californian waves where you have endless walls, well, on the point breaks, Australia is a little more sectioning. Even our perfect point breaks suck out the sand sort of changes and warps, and yeah, you yeah. need to adapt cat-like steps. So the, the fragile uh, aspect of the involvement style surfboards where they're quite knifed out, those little cat-like steps make huge uh, impacts as to what's gonna happen in the next 20 mm-hmm. yards. Even say at Rincon, I can liken that a lot to, to Noosa where every step forward I'm accelerating, move my ankles, knees, hips, yeah. and I'm actually uh, surfing for the midsection of the board. I can take a little step forward to the nose, but that type of surfing was all about slashing it back in the pocket, stabbing the section, slash it back, stab it again. Surfing was beginning, well, not beginning, but surfing was becoming a, a lot more uh, pocket orientated. Yeah, the best guys in those earlier sixties films you watch, Phil Edwards was mm-hmm. the best, and Mike Doyle. They surfed in and around the pocket. Yeah, a lot of their stuff. They're kind of in and around the suit, but so technical, walking in the whitewash. Yeah, you know, leaning into drop knees, while the you know apex of the wave. Is, mm-hmm. It's so critical. You know, some yeah. of the turns they're doing on those what I would call doughy rails. Yeah, very yeah. unforgiving, it's extremely technical. But if you do that on an involvement board. It'll come back, and your bottom turn will just be twice as fast as your top turn. Right, and that's where the power mentality had sort. You're taking what what Dora, Phil, and uh, Mike was doing, yeah. putting them, you know, putting them in Australian waves. And that's where you had Nat Young, Bob McTavish, mm-hmm. Robert Keneally, Russell Hughes, mm-hmm. Ke- uh, Kevin Platt, Kevin Brennan, um, Bobby Brown. I don't know if it said Bobby Brown, but able to surf and they had those really light feet Peter Druin they're super light feet but oh, wide quick. stance yeah. their feet unlike Phil's where it was all elegant yeah. they were foregoing I guess the finesse mm-hmm. in order to get power Yeah. you see guys like Ted Spencer coming out later like in yeah. 67, 68, 69 and, it was f- and Wayne Lynch full blown power surfing Yeah. rail to rail mm-hmm. stepping forward to get speed yeah. but the mentality of stab and slash was there That influenced a whole generation through the later 60s and 70s. -hmm. The surfboards that those guys were riding were all primarily designed and shaped in the Brookvale area. There was offshoots up in um, the Noose area, McTavish and Russell Hughes went up there and shaped, mainly because of how perfect the waves were. Right. There was a label up there called Hayden. They were... uh, Hayden Kenny was a, was a craftsman mm-hmm. and the boards that came out of that factory were extremely perfect and mm-hmm. I've seen a whole bunch of them in perfect condition. There's an amazing collector up there, Kevin Anitz, and um, we've all had a lot of the, us like Thomas Beckson and um, Harrison Roach, uh, Mitch Sturman, a bunch of guys had an opportunity to ride those boards. Mm-hmm. They're incredible. They're better than 99% of the logs on the market at wow. the moment, but they're rare. Yeah,
0: um, they're impossible.
8: The, the Sydney boards are a little more, uh, Oh, there was some good and It was a little more raw. And as you said earlier, uh, there was, yeah, the, the guys are making a board, surfing once or twice, yeah. and either cutting down that board or making dramatic changes. Yeah. You know, or even just making a new board for no other reason other than they wanted to feel something new. Yeah. You know, that surfing was evolving. Mm-hmm. And that all originated out of that area. And I mean, Ray Richards, Mark, Mark Richards' dad, mm-hmm. Mark tells a story about watching his dad shape at the Scotty Dillon factory um, so you could easily say the early influence of the twin fin or Mark Richards twin fin, his shaping came from our area so there you had Simon Anderson he was a North Mariban boy uh, who started shaping in Bookvale mm-hmm. as well, so all those uh, predecessors influenced arguably you know, the shortboard, the twin fin the thruster and in that period we had more world champions than any other place in the world and the atmosphere in the water was unlike what I've been told, unlike anywhere else in the world. You had you had localism at a lot of city breaks yeah. around the world, but they didn't have the quality of surfers that Sydney had, right? And that's a sort of Australia started to become known as you know a surfing nation, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess popular and, and this term as, as far as um you know demographics and as far as populations go uh Australians were starting to flock to the coast in the 70s and the 80s mm-hmm. where a lot of our population was dispersed not not inland but there's a lot of inland centers yeah but everybody was starting to come to the coast mm-hmm. and starting to realize that that's where uh, yeah, i guess the the creamy lifestyle is oh
0: well, yeah i mean the australian coastline is unbelievable yeah i mean i think it's second i i think it's pr- second to none um uh, you were talking about uh, Bob McTavish. When did your relationship start with him?
8: When uh, John Gill at Keo Surfboards had a little bit of a hiatus. Okay. And um, in that period, I rode some of Robbie Kegel's Gato Hero mm-hmm. boards. We hit it off like a house on fire. Um, I was already super tuned into the old boards. I've got a pretty good collection of... I've got some really, really good 60s Australian longboards wow. on ice. You know, like stuff that... Yeah, it's always been a passion. Yeah. But talking to Robbie about that stuff, he was able to uh, shape his interpretation, and that was really cool for a couple of years. Rode Dane Thomas, uh, who Dane Thomas is one of the guys I should have mentioned earlier. But he he was a, he was up in the Byron Bay area. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy to start making proper logs in Australia. I rode his boards for a couple of years as well. So I was Dane or Keo to Dane Thomas. Robbie Kegel, and then one day I was walking down the main road of Brookvale and had a phone call of one of the guys from McTavish, and um, not long after, Bob rung me. And I, I wow. told him, oh, I'm planning to go to Hawaii in a couple of months, he's like, oh, perfect. We're, we're looking for somebody to come on the team, and we started designing a quiver. I remember walking down, I said, oh, I'm going past Scott Dillon's old factory, and he's like, oh, you're just a chip off the old block. He goes, I used to shape there, I said, yeah, I know. So he's, I'm sort of, in many ways, I, I know, the steps he took in my local yeah. area, the waves he surfed, and I've tried to channel that, not only in my surfing, but the way I, we go out designing boards. Mm-hmm. I kind of get myself in his mentality of what he would have felt in the 60s, uh-huh. and sort of to so shake me that. yeah, And I make it sort of work, because I know how he surfs, I yeah. watch the footage, I don't know how his mind thinks and we think very much alike. So yeah, I've been riding for Bob now for six years, him and his son Ben, Ben's a very, very, core attitude sort of surfer. He comes from the Kelly Slater black and white sort of era. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty much like, you know, he'd fit in he'd fit in Ventura perfectly. Uh-huh. You, know, you <laughs> know, black wetsuits, white boards. Yeah. You know, super underground. Um, but he was doing his own label and shaping for Bob's label as well. But now he's exclusively on board. So pretty much anything from, you know, five feet quads, shorties, like anything I want, up to gliders. Uh-huh. McTavish, Bob and Ben have it covered. And, but yeah, for me, I've worked really hard at tweaking the involvement. Uh-huh. Um, they were doing a few replicas. It was, at well, the stage when I came on board, the involvement was a, was a replica that they were doing for collectors. And uh-huh. they did six of them. And then I, I got one and um, Bob was stoked. He, he apparently was watching me surf. He always goes on about how I was steering from the nose. Uh-huh. And it's what I was saying earlier about that uh, every step forward is fast. Yeah, yeah. But then, because you've got that wide tail, and it's parallel mm-hmm. from that wide point forward, you're able to really utilize that that straight rail mm-hmm. to your benefit. So you can bend and weave, and yeah, uh, you don't
0: have to go all the way back to make a pivot. No, you know, which no, is you, amazing.
8: You can sort of bend and twist, and yeah. then yeah, if you really want to slash it back, you can get onto that that tail. Oh, and it's yeah. And then rifle it right mm-hmm. back around.
0: Do you think now, now with logging, like for a long time, or at least for a while, there was this whole trend of like, you know, almost like a set it and forget it kind of mm-hmm. like Malibu knows writing, right? Like, boom, get to the front, stay there as long as you can kind of thing. But now it seems like it's going really hardcore to this involvement. Like, Yeah,
8: even listening to some of the, the podcasts, like I get along really well with uh, CJ and... Devin Howard on a technical level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we'd always sort of nerd out on those involvement boards. And they're very similar in the fact that, you know, they could shape um, probably really well and set up their own label, but they're working with shapers who can understand their, their mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, why would I really want to pick up a planer when I have Bob and Ben yeah. to pick their brain? Mm-hmm. And I'd sort of been like that my whole life. I've never actually needed the opportunity to shape because mm-hmm. I've had, such good relationships with well literally the i think the best shapers in the world between um, the guys at Keo, dane thomas robbie kegel and mctavish it's i've been really fortunate enough to be able to learn and you know learning so much and mm-hmm. basically taking everything that happened in the that sort of mid-60s era there's so much to learn from it yeah. and putting a few little tweaks but for the most part at that period moved so quickly when we look back on it there's a perfect example on a board uh, called the Rincon model that it is basically just a standard late 68 egg looking thing Mm -hmm. little bit of displacement little bit of egg sort of a little bit of transitional just a standard mid length that when I was showing Bob this old footage it was the 68 world titles in Puerto Rico with Nat Young and Midget and Wayne and Russell Hughes I saw this board Nat had and I was like oh that's that's what I want. I've been wanting that thing mentally mm-hmm. for so long. I just didn't know how to get it or make it or what it was or dimensions. And it was the same thing. Like I'd see all these boards in, this, in these movies, these guys ripping, and I thought, I. Then I realised that that's involvement. That is the involvement. Yeah. The era. That's the model. Bob has got the template. Uh, these are my old males. These are my Keo old males that I've got, and I've got a bunch of actual McTavish Keo old mouse shaped between 65 and 67 uh-huh. and some other brands got wallace uh, gordon woods um scott dylan heaps, of some really nice brands but those Kia ones are sort of and the haydens are the one and it's right there under our nose it's just that period moves so quickly that it's easy to look at what's going on in california the logging culture
0: mm-hmm.
8: and think oh there has to be something else to it the boards have to be longer yeah you know, they have to be thicker they have to have concave yeah they have to have a pivot fin no and that's what you said that. People are coming around and Devin and CJ are they're probably coming to the end of it now. They know now that we've been riding those boards for a couple of years and I've been riding my involvements for a, a, well, I've been riding old mouse, those involvement yeah. boards, my whole life. Yeah. And yeah, it works. It's, I mean, CJ won and Saladita at that at the Mexi Logfest yeah. and the Duct Tape, absolutely slaying it on an involvement inspired board. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Saladita's bit more almond-shaped. It's a left, but in terms of Australian point yeah. waves, it's it's an almond, where Australia is like, kind of hollow. Yeah. I mean, if it, if Noosa or um, Crescent Head or, you know, the pass, they're overhead, you're getting fully tubed. Right. But, you know, if it's an almond-shaped wave, you're kind of just gliding around. Like the yeah. Airbnb, you know, so... But, yeah, the involvement is... It's sort of changed longboarding and put it on its head. And guys like... Well, Dane Peterson, I mean, you can't leave Dane Peterson out of it because he... Was the, he was the first guy to get replicas in the involvement shape um, he was shaping he was getting boards off uh, Tappy in Japan and the Revelation label Uh huh. those were some of the coolest most refined long boards still to this day that I've ever seen I swear when I first saw one and I saw Yuta Suzutsu from Japan riding on as well I thought that's yeah easily some of the best boards that yeah. I've ever seen and Dane templated I think that model off of Peter Clark which uh-huh. is another uh, Sydney board brand uh-huh. 67 involvement same stuff thin nose thin tail hips yeah. greeno style fin little bit of belly yeah and he, he'd been sort of running with that for ages and it took a while but I mean CJ and Devon's boards I think they're 9'9 nine nine or 9'7 nine or something like that
0: yeah they're on that like bigger side they're bigger dudes
8: yeah Dane and I probably weigh a quite similar weight and mine's 9'3 nine 9'4 nine yeah. much like Nat Young sort of Sam
0: yeah, I ride mine a little, like mine I ride like a 9.6. I wish I actually got mine in hindsight as a 9.8, mm-hmm. but um, it's the same kind of deal. It's thin nose. I mean, you saw it the other day. It's yeah. kind of that board. And when Devin told me the story about it, I was like, oh, shit, that's why I like yeah. it so much. But it's interesting to see like a lot of like a lot of shapers are going that way. Like, you know, Tyler in here locally, like he shapes boards for Devin. And um, he's going like they're all going this kind of like new – they're, they refer to it as a pig shape, yeah. which it is, but it's they're foiling the rails more. Yeah. They're getting a little bit more. And I think it goes to not just a trend. I think it goes to what you were saying, which you hit upon, which is that like your guys' point breaks tend to be more sectioning, right? Mm-hmm. And people are looking to... Ser- Let me back up a little bit. Necessity always becomes a mother of invention. So if you look at like Greeno like Reno was making edge boards so that he could surf like breaks that he could get to where there were less crowds because yep. he wanted to surf with less crowds now malibu perfect point break right mm-hmm. but there's a zillion people there yeah okay so you're not going to be able to log there like you want right. to so you have to be able to have a log that's going to work at a porto at a hermosa sure. and that's going to be more of an involvement kind of yeah. shape because it has to be
8: it's got to fit with the wave yeah at the end of the day and um for me, longboarding isn't about the nose, right? Yeah. Um, I'm very, and let's get it straight, the, the Aussie involvement style board is influenced off the uh, Californian pig template. Mm-hmm. So you can't leave like Velzy and Yader out of it because it is influenced directly off that. And yeah. as I said earlier, it's taking the best of Phil, Dora and Mike Doyle and putting, and that, that's straight out of Bob's mouth and putting it into these Australian waves, adapting. The 64 world titles was revolutionary, mm-hmm. as was in 1956 we had the Olympics and some American lifeguards came out and left balsa picks, yeah, in Brookvale, in, in uh scattered, but they ended up in Brookvale with the guys who were then well who then became our Brookvale six, you know mm-hmm. our uh, our shaping um, legends, and that no one had ever seen a ball with a fin. At that stage let alone guys turning and nose riding yeah blew the mind so the pig's been around for a, for a long time the involvement's just a, a play off of that and um yeah it's a functional surfboard and there's a place for a wide nose nose rider they yeah. they do work and there's been nose riding contests in the past and back in 66 67 68 when nose riding was huge over here in america uh-huh. uh places like malibu perfect for those types yeah. of boards heavy tail lift and you know big platform noses but for me personally, and the clip that we've just released of uh, me surfing at Rincon, it, it I'm not nose riding amazing. I'm not definitely not going to break any records yeah, you know, yeah. on the tip. But where I am nose riding is the best of my ability on those Australian style boards and mm-hmm. standing ten upright, way back in the pocket. I'm slashing back where I need to. Yeah. I'm giving myself time. But the main thing is I don't stop moving. Those boards don't have dead spots. The Aussie boards. I do, you know, four, six, even eight steps in and around, keeping that board moving, and it's just the way my mind works. It's the right. same on a short board. It's the same on, uh, you know, on a skateboard or something. I I always try and maximize with uh, not clutter the wave. Yeah. But I, I don't try and I try and use the wave for what it is. Use those little uh, speed sections. Mm-hmm. You know, adapt to the wave. Yeah. And nothing I get so annoyed when I get left behind in a section. Oh yeah. I keep wanting to go fast. I just want to speed up and just goes all I want to do is go as fast as I can on a surfboard Yeah, and I feel you know waves under shoulder high, those Aussie boards work and that Rincon model I explained earlier It, it I, I can surf it like a displacement hull I can move forward surf from the middle surf from pretty much the nose but I can step back there's a little bit of edge a little bit of flat and in Australia or as, as Bob and myself, myself call it it's the engine room over your fin You need to have, well, you don't need to, but we like to have stability, power, and uh, basically generate speed from our back feet. Mm -hmm. And over that mid-length, we usually ride up between seven and eight feet. We're able to sort of bank off the lip, use that speed when it's a bit onshore. You know, you're a point, you get a little crumbly section. On this little mid-length, we can sort of bank off it. We can come off the bottom hard. We can sort of do a roundhouse and sort of hit it off the foam all utilising those little wave pockets. Mm-hmm. And Devin does it with his eggs, with the two plus ones. Yeah. Joel, well he's just an exception. That's Joel. You know, it's Joel. <laughs> and, and even, Joel. And even talking about board designs as well, guys like in the high performance uh, spectrum, Taylor Jensen and Harley Ingleby, the Del Poro brothers, those guys are so talented and they're like athletes. Mm-hmm. And I see them surf those long boards, which are difficult to ride as smoothly as they ride them. They ride them in good and really crappy waves as well. But I mean, I've never, I barely see those guys fall off. Yeah, yeah, And I just look at them and just go, man, if, you know, absolutely no disrespect to them. But I mean, I can't even surf that good on my quiver of, like my workable quiver is probably eight boards or something.
0: Yeah.
8: You know, I've got like probably over 50 to choose from. Yeah. And well, I do have over 50 to choose from. <laughs> those guys ride that one board in all conditions yeah, and they tear. As do the, the, you know, the, the QS and the CT shortboarders, they mm-hmm. just shred and it just goes to say, it doesn't matter how many boards you have, it comes down to you know, your mindset and your skill. And mm-hmm. if you're a good surfer, you can make everything work, but why make it hard for yourself?
0: No, make it work for the, I mean, I think it comes down to like making it work for the wave. I mean, one of the interesting things when, when you bring up like, a, like those uh, uh, QS and CT surfers, um, last year, when Felipe Toledo, when he got uh, suspended for one of the events, yeah, I was surfing at Doheny, mm-hmm. logging, and he was out there logging. Wow! And he was nose riding. Wow! And he was having like the best fucking time, and we didn't even realize that it was him until like maybe a half hour into the session. Wow! And I never saw him smile like that in my life, and I'm like, why don't you release this on video for your fans to was see? He, was
8: that, was he going tandem with his kid? that day
0: he had um it was his i think his niece or something okay the family was there and like he was teaching her how to surf well, i and saw an
8: instagram of him surfing down that way with with a with kid as well thought, that's really cool
0: yeah he had this log and he was like totally like cheat fiving and yeah. nose riding and i was like i was like but again like those guys like i mean you're talking about what like the top 20 surfers in yeah. the world
8: um speak- well julian wilson i mean i did those we talked about noosa but yeah australia in the mid-2000s had a very rich uh well even earlier I, I came into it you know longboarding was in full swing when i started uh doing the contest but i'd always written a i rode a single fins right through my contest sort of early you know teenage sort of years and it being a pro longboarder was pretty kind of accessible like you, you probably could have made some money out of it back then I don't think a lot, but it was definitely attainable. Uh-huh. Uh, there was magazines, there was no websites back then, no Instagram, Yeah. Whatever. but there was, you could get, you know, you might've been made five or $10,000 in incentives if you've got a few covers and a few it's double spreads and stuff and win a few comps, you'd, you'd make a few thousand for sure, but uh, yeah, Julian Wilson was, he won a bunch of Aussie titles on longboards. boards.
0: He did? Uh, yeah,
8: yeah, I did all the contests with him for a bunch of years another guy heath josky who was one of the billabong pinup boys for a while he's yeah down in south south australia like a full like like mad dog like hardcore big wave charger uh-huh. i saw him a couple of months ago with a big beard at noosa just shredding he's sort of taken to the alternative side now got that core surfer approach you know he's able to draw lines on any board uh-huh. But he sort of just relaxed and pulled back a bit. But Julian is obviously super, super oh, yeah, talented anyway on anything. Yeah, he's but got he, amazing style. He skates good, he snowboards good, he rides alongboard, incredible.
0: So you were talking here's the thing, you you kinda of brushed upon the term core surfer. Yep. What does that mean to you?
8: Basically to be able to ride any type of condition in a and make it look easy at the end of the day, you know, and there's there's a bunch of guys where I grew up. Who can do that mm-hmm. um california is probably you know the center of all of that um i look at guys like tom curran you know, joel tudor mm-hmm. devin howard and even looking through the eras there's there's a similarity and it's uh, i think it was cj or devin talking about structure in surfing and it's something that's really lacking these days and i look at guys i look from the duke and i i think I think a lot about surfing and when I surf, I think a lot as well. Not so much when I'm on the wave, it's obviously, it's fully uh, in the moment when you're surfing. And that's what I love about it. But when I'm in the lineup, I, I take in the landscape, I take in the people in the lineup, the boards, people are riding I just, I love it. It's a mental thing mm-hmm. for me. I, I just love the, the interest, it gets me really active. But being a core, i would like to think of myself as a core surfer although people might see me eating a burger or like working on a hot rod or something or you know being like doing a burnout in the street and be like oh that guy sucks but uh i don't care i i ride any board i surf all conditions i love barrels i love big waves Uh i love getting smashed when it's like double triple overhead i've really drowned so many times (laughs) since i've been like an adult it's crazy like properly Definitely put myself in positions where it's like you're out here by yourself You know, you're gonna drown for it get to you. So you've got to sort of survive and I love that stuff and and When there's a swell I know is coming I sort of I, I make sure I'm ready for it. I've got all my boards ready just, That's a
0: core server to me. That's like that's that's a good. Yeah I mean, I think you, you you kind of like when you were saying like you can surf like any kind of waves which means any kind of boards at that certain level. Yeah. You dream it, think it, yeah. it's like in you kind of thing. You sleep it, like kind of thing. You're going to sleep thinking about it.
8: And the big thing is this, the structure thing. It's I mean, surfing, it's a creative outlet. It can be anything for you. It can be just your inhibitions being expressed. But for me, looking at my favorite surfers, it's quite simple. I look back at the Duke and I look at the respect that uh, the Duke had for the Wave and the, the Waikiki Beach Boys. And it would go, I'm sure, way back to, you know, through Polynesian uh, surf culture and general culture as well. But with any, anywhere around the islands where water was involved, yeah. you know, being a waterman, being a provider, a hunter-gatherer, uh-huh. you know, having some sort of prowess in and around the water... And actually, surfing for entertainment, giving people enjoyment from watching you in this. Well,
0: that's a good point. I mean, because that's at the end of the day, that's what the Duke was doing when he was doing all those tours, right? Yeah. Like there were these big exhibitions, like just going out, and he's like, hey, you want to see me do something? And he goes out, and like people are like, holy shit.
8: Well, the Australian government, uh, I believe they paid, they sponsored, I've I've heard reports of the Duke being the first professional surfer in the world because he was commissioned to do uh, exhibitions on this new. thing called surfing it was art you know the art of riding waves and yeah not just his respect you know taking off on wave surfing every wave to the shore but yeah i mean the structure thing i i really think it's pretty obvious you go from phil edwards was the number one in in longboarding then it goes to midget you can see phil very clearly through midget and it's midget always says how much he loved you know love watching phil surf Nat Young's biggest influence was Phil Edwards and Midget Farrelly right from Nat you go to MP and MP embodied that uh, I guess that freeform generation that free thinking that late 60s early 70s yeah, yeah. crossover you know he was the guy one of Rabbit Bartholomew's best like biggest uh, influences Akira at, at and in general you can see it through their surfing yeah you can see Nat in MP you can see uh, MP in Rabbit when you watch early Tom Curran footage he's like seriously surf so much like rabbit it's crazy and a little bit of mp in there as well yeah and you go from curran there's a local guy called shane herring um he doesn't surf so much anymore but he had this crazy Curran style but this sort of like the way he hit the lip was like real punk he sort of turned his body and i guess he combined maybe a bit of wayne lynch and oki sort of thing uh-huh. with this tom curran like low center of gravity and yeah the, the real power but he sort of faded away from the scene. But then, you know, Kelly was really prominent at that stage. Yeah, Kelly was just like, flow. Basically, if Kelly surfed the way he did in the 90s, he'd probably still like make heaps of heats now. Oh yeah. You know, the way he's like, but he was just surfing like current, but releasing his fins way more. Yeah. And, you know, doing airs and crazy floaters and stuff like that. And it, that structure in all those generations, those, the best surfers, even if they weren't professional, you can definitely see it in old photos, the way guys held their hands or the boards they rode and the lines they took were influenced by pure structure from the generation prior. So yeah, I think basically to be a core surfer, you've just got to draw lines that are visually pleasing for yourself. I mean, obviously they've got to feel good, they can't be yeah, visually yeah. pleasing to yourself, but you know, you, you can't really go wrong surfing a point break. There's only a couple of ways, to, lines to draw. and. Yeah. If you surf like Tom Curran on a point break or, or Tudor on a left, well, Forget you do it pretty well.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll wrap this up with uh, one of the things that we ask everybody. If you had to pick one break that you love to surf more than anywhere else, where would it be and why?
8: Geez, so many different boards, so many different waves. Uh, <laughs> uh, National Park at, um, at Noosa Heads. Yeah. Um, I've had some really good memories there on sunset uh, you know in a pushing swell and a slightly incoming tide it is the best of Rincon um, it kind of is a little bit like Lennox head as well and the fact that it pushes but that at overhead on any board is like one of the most magical it's a national park it's yeah beautiful blue water you've got the Sun setting and well it's meant to be in the West but over there it's because you're at a weird angle It sort of like faces you surfing into the sunset it's just so dreamy you just can't help but feel like you're in heaven and how lucky you are there so definitely yeah noosa that's sort of my surfing paradise for sure
0: awesome um anybody you want to thank on your way out uh
8: over my current stay in california has been super helpful thanks to my buddy blake dubler and his girlfriend Daniela. My girlfriend, Darlene, out there in East L.A., she's amazing, and um, she's shown me a, a piece of um, L.A. culture that not many people from my, uh, I guess you say, my skin color get to experience. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty colorful out there, and I love it. And, yeah, Bob McTavish, for sure. Uh, just John Gill. Devon Howard for giving me the best surf checks in the world. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, just uh, I think surfing's in a really good place. So everybody, if they just stay stoked and look at each other and smile when they're in the lineup, I think. I always say thanks to people when I have a good chat with them. Yeah. So if more people smile and stay stoked and thank each other in the surf for sharing waves, I think we'd be in a better place.
0: Hope you guys dug that interview with Matt. I think it's really cool to check out what he's talking about. Um, some of the movies that I really suggest you check out is like the uh, – plastic um, fantastic plastic machine sea of joy uh you know the paul witzig movies uh the greeno movies uh just to get some perspective on what he's talking about uh but again this is the bodega border crew uh volume 25 hope you guys have been enjoying the episode so far i'm gonna get into some tracks and then in a little bit i'll check in with you guys uh for some short takes peace
2: Just stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight, and everything is all right. I got a beat from Kim, and she could fuck all night. Caught up the homies, and I'm axing y'all. Which part are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court, and I'm troubled. Last week, fucked around and got a triple-double. Freaking niggas every way, like MJ. I can't believe today was a Hours. Didn't even get no static from the cowards. Cause just yesterday, them booze tried to blast me. Saw the police and they rolled right past me. No flexing, didn't even look in a nigga's direction as I ran the intersection. Went the show dog's house, they was watching you on TV raps. What's the haps on the craps? Shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them Roll them in a circle of niggas and watch me break them with the seven, seven eleven. 7-Eleven, 7 even back door Little Joe I picked up the cash flow Then we played Bones And I'm yelling domino Plus nobody I know Got killed in South Central LA Today was a good day Left my niggas house paid trying to fuck since the 12th grade. It's ironic. I had the boo, she had the chronic. The Lakers beat the supersonic. I felt on the big fat fanny. Pulled out the jammy and killed the poo nanny. And my dick runs deep, so deep, so deep, put her ass to sleep. Woke her up around one. She didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube the top gun. Drove her to the pad and I'm coasting. Took another sip of the potion, hit the Motion. I was glad everything had worked out, dropped her ass off and then chirped out. Today was like one of those fly dreams, didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for a murder, two in the morning got the fat burger. Even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp and it went ice cubes of pimp. Drunk as hell but no throwing up, halfway home and my page still blank. Up. today I didn't even have to use my AK I gotta say it was a good
9: My word, we
10: rock the shot, the knock fire through the head and burn. The contribution is clear. You add water to bone and, and get the
9: Jurassic vibe on the microphone. Now, if you like the tone,
10: and how the homie's done,
9: and
11: the sucker MCs die before they begun, well, i like to know if. Got
12: the notion, cause we're number
11: one I'm not trying to say my style is better than yours I'm just on some other shit I'm all about the beats and the lyrics So when you hear it, you can feel it The vibe is
9: energized by the presence of my spirit No interference, we persevere The purpose is clear We're here to leave your ear hurt and severe You're lurking in fear Cause we take it back like Robin Locksley Rocking from countryside to spots where hard rocks I be I
10: often wonder if these oopsies even know how it feels To dedicate their whole life to this Michael still. let it not ain't. about the That's not keeping it real, a lot of tight rappers out here ain't got no deal We appeal to the brothers with flow finesse Cause it's the 100 watt bloodshot game of death Cause we're protected by the covenants so of words and beats Rewind and feel the heat, recline and take a
12: seat So what, uh, let's take you back to the concrete streets Original beats and real live MCs Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks, just that classic, rapship from Jurassic. Let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats, of real live MCs. Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks, just that classic, rapship from Jurassic. Now I'm walk from Transania, Earthquake Transylvania,
10: and all the way I take the hole through the wall of China just to get the right place. Cause I'm schizophrenic of the pen Wait a minute, oh. I fell into the deep end You shouldn't have told me the pyramids can hold me So now a contest is what you owe me Pull out your beats, pull out your cuts
11: Give us a mic, what up, and we gon' tear shit up I'm on some old and forgotten, sun up to sun down Like picking cotton, the nutty professor Science rock and Robbins Hood from New York to Compton Me and my three sons, Jabari, shot here in Boston. So uh, let's take
12: it back to the concrete streets Original beats for real live MC Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat trick, just that classic rap shit from Jurassic. Let's take it back to the concrete streets, original beats for real live MCs. Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat trick, just that classic rap shit from Jurassic. Do 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 do.
9: I when I-T-Y, do ba die, anti-alluminati Why do the liquid from my vocals make the ghetto start swimming Forever winning, I'm in it like metal lock I
10: get goosebumps when the baseline thumps A sucker MC style, he had mine for lunch Mark 7, get you open like an attaché Read case in this case, defeat there is no way
9: <laughs> With tool spinners, cooking a full dinner Killing the firstborn of lyrical Yule Blenders When is it the Academy, rattling your anatomy Gotta be J-5, so kill all your fates Clattery.
10: That'll be the day When labels pay our way Tune to what you say When MCs come to play
9: Confident Cause we take it back Like Spinal Tap Preparing your intellect Before your final nap So uh, let's take it
12: back To the concrete streets Original beats For real live MCs Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks. Just that classic rap shit from Jurassic. Let's take it back to the concrete streets. Original beats with real live MCs. Playground tactics, no rabbit in a hat tricks. Just got beef, huh? Watch your
11: life, settle it. i fuck around and arrest your whole development. I'm eloquent when it comes to digital display. I'm ready for the world while you earl off the tango ray tactics. My shit's Jurassic. Five. Fingers of death while you exhale and inhale with the deep. Grab with my chop suey style Cause I'm a lyrical chef I get smarter to the death Cause I be cooking From here to Brooklyn Your shit's annoying Like uh. fat ass bookmen On good times When I rhyme I hit the designated area I hope you got your shots Cause this is lyrical malaria Spreading Beheading fools With the punishment I live in America But fuck this government 150 times Over silk with lead While y'all drink The simmer like my rhymes Are breastfed No artificial nipples I flip the real skills I thought I told you Once I kicked the lyrical windmills and backspin, Benedict strictly for my benefit, I step on toes when I float, don't get offended, come and get with it, comprehend it when I kick it, I represent the real from the beginning to the end of it.
13: Paid off the bullshit, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Now, you can keep the ball if you want, but I'm gonna fight for the right in the name of the blunt. Mm-hmm. Hip hop rules, I can't nobody trust the flavor. Brother, or your mother, tell your neighbor mm-hmm. that we're whatever we gotta do. Huh. God bless the Buddhists and my whole crew. Mm-hmm. One thing I hate, see, fucking hand. Huh. You and your crew, write my style and you play Teddy Ruckerman. Mm-hmm. Timberland on the upper hand, see the future plan is to be your man. For now, I gotta demonstrate. Hey, hold your head back and feel the weight. Remember this two turntables in the mic, Mike. one fat MC on the set. set. Two turntables in the mic, Mike. one fat MC on the set. set. Two turntables in the mic, Mike. one fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic, one fat MC on the set. set. Two watch me blow your back out with the bird herb, herb. come test buck you get served mm-hmm. look up in the air it's a bird know what super nigga and look he's puffing the mm-hmm. earth saying chocolate, chocolate do a nigga do justice a nigga, gets... bust it of another session i'm loving the miss. Mm-hmm. contact in my nostril is a colossal mc you recollect on set mm-hmm. the point is to get bears on the mic like back in the days niggas we got more life. Mm-hmm. shit today you take niggas too long to recognize wow. just because i'm not commercialized and when i'm mm-hmm. in your town i rock the Underground, but you don't really know me because I don't got no bitches with me that's ready to blow me. Half butt ass, yelling have a good time. Nowadays, i would about to have a good rhyme. Mm. Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Commercial rap, get the gun clapped. rock shot, original Mac. I'm taking it back, back, back to when the whack used to play the gopher, Carrying equipment nowadays, they're getting over. Saying it's another form of hip hop, but get dropped. With the ball that can talk when you walk at night. Whenever I stalk, I can feel the hawk inside of my chest from the bless. But what I manifest is what I bring forth. Hold up, people, I'm getting you lost. Wait a minute, remember this? Reminisce. Way back in the days when the battle met, whoever got this. Now what they do is this to ruin this. They put a commercial MC in the business uh, to make a brother like me play the duck out That's that shit. No doubt Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic. One fat MC on the set. Two turntables in the mic, Mike. one fat MC on a set. set. Two turntables in the mic, Mike. one fat MC on a set. set. Yeah. Yeah, 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 That's what you've been missing. Two turntables <laughs> in the mic, and one fat MC on a set. Blowing up the spot, MC, DJ. This is how we do today. Niggas can't believe how we blew today. workshop BCC, representing who I be, FAT. Listen.
10: I pose for the photos, address the press, I take a rest To let my rhymes digest into my brain To sustain and cultivate it Take a penny for my thoughts, from copper I go plated Enrich my mind like wine, till I find what I need to exceed It's speed, perceived blind folded. I take the mic, I grab it and I hold it Then I walk through it, talk to the crowd, Think, yo, I sold it You bought it, you thought it wouldn't work But the record went, gold. it's sold dirt I'm worldwide, from girls I hide Not gain no way, but they all wanna ride They bring me roses and wine But I hate cheap sex, so next time Come correct like an intellect Okay, do you hear what I say? Check yo, on the rhyme I'm a lyrical droid And whosoever shall front shall be destroyed The lyrical composers I produce are legit My name is Special Ed, and yo, your name ain't And I'm powerful in my state for mentality Taking MCs, yes, of any nationality Blitzing them, pissing them, or I'm pissing them Making them solo, yours won't be kissing them You got tats. Face the facts. Now where's the jokes and all the wise cracks you made? Before you got slayed by the Slayer. Special ed and DJ acting on the record player, chilling. Still in the back, just maxing. Me in the front to be blunt, I'm taxing. I'm taxing. When I'm on the mic, I make MCs. Wonder how I don't make the follow ups. Bleeps or blunders, I'm foolproof. I'm tool-proof too, I got the Uzi for the goosey, But the hands are for you, I give a fair one Because I never like to scare one Unless you got a vest and a gun I like to shoot out, I like to have a root and toot out If you like the kick, I got the steel toe boot out Cause I'm malicious, vicious over Mike, is how I am And I always do as I like, cause I demand The utmost respect from you Because you should give respect where respect is due To Specialist, that is my name and that's the title I hold You're gonna get burnt, if you wanna get and I'm ready I let the others call me Eddie, but for you it's special because I said so spaghetti. And in the meantime, break out the six packs and cool while I roll. Cause I'm taxing. Taxing.
4: I'm taxing. Taxing.
10: Well, if you're looking for a book, there's one you might like about a mic and a man. Well, I be meditating, then I be waiting for the victim. If they flam, then I slam them and kick them. Bite the face, then I taste them and lick them. Like prey I slay, take a brick up. Brick them, yo, I'm not the typical. Massive and large, I'm humongous. But the youngest in charge in combat, I contract the souls like crack. She composed my foes to the size of post because you get all hype and long-winded. But that ain't it, it's the rhymes that are commended by the crowd as they start to cheer. With the cisco, the plus, and the forties a big, the stimulation is what helps my creations. You know I get mellow before my presentations, because it helps my rhymes to flow through like water. A quarter brew on second thought a few to release all the heat that I kept when I was sober. So now it's sober, step aside, and by my rules abide. Protests, yes, and I suggest you hide, because I'm coming, coming the song of redemption, making stacks, taking tax exemptions. You Start the theme, scream, and then pile up for a cigarette. As I get your last dollar, I'm taxing. Using Ajax and waxing. MCs with the fleas in their backs in. Behind the ears and up the butt cracks in. Keep on till you clean up your accent. Stop holding your nose up like Michael Jackson. Dressing like a bum because you don't wear slacks. And I'm done. Thanks, it's been fun practicing.
0: everybody this is the bodega border crew podcast hope you guys have been digging the tracks on volume 25 uh make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to check out our page bodega border crew.podbean.com and our full description on itunes for track lists and links to things that we're going to be talking about right now uh so without further ado here are some short takes the first short take i want to break up is that there's a pop-up going on till, I think it's January 23rd, uh, that's a surf art and uh, surf culture, uh, kind of an exhibit pop-up uh, that Fred Siegel has uh, in LA if you get a chance to check out. Some of our our people are there, Anderson Surfboards, Cassia has some stuff, Ataco, which is a new brand that our boy Paul has, has launched, um, he has... His boards there are really sick. Some really interesting twin fins uh, that he has. I've seen the quads that he's ridden out in Topanga and we've talked about them and they're really cool. Uh, For some reason, I've just really gotten into these like kind of deep channel quads lately. Uh, Maybe because I have one, (laughs) I could surf it pretty well. Uh, But definitely check that out uh, in the next couple of days before they take it down uh, because it's really cool. It has a bunch of really cool artwork by some luminaries like Scott Anderson, and also has a lot of great local surf product that you should check out. Second short take is this drilling thing that I'm gonna probably be bringing up almost every episode. Surf Rider Foundation is uh, putting an initiative together for you to get involved um, in really hardcore ways and really simple ways. Uh, It has to do with offshore drilling all over the United States. They wanna overturn about 90% of the waterways uh, off our coast to allow offshore drilling. Now offshore drilling, even the energy industry knows it's very, it's unfeasible in the United States because you're not going to really get your bank for your buck so a lot of them are turning it down. Also it's a big danger. Um, We saw what happened with the BP spill uh, to coastal communities, coastal living. Uh, You have to remember that there's a lot of jobs uh, that are affected if something bad happens, especially with tourism. Uh, with fishing, with all that. And then on top of that, the health is a big deal. If you notice, uh, Florida has been omitted from it Uh, and that's great. We have one state that's being omitted from the offshore drilling, Uh, but a lot of people see it as a political move because it's a Republican governor who sides with Trump on everything, blah, blah, blah. You can read it any way you want we got one state that's off off the books so now we got to work on getting the other states like california like washington like new york like new jersey like maine uh so that this doesn't happen so please go over to surfrider.org uh check out what they have to get involved Uh, some of it takes like 10 seconds some of it takes two minutes other things that you can do is just get involved hands-on we're gonna probably start getting involved a little bit more hands-on in the next coming months, with this, um, so stay tuned for our Instagram account and for this uh, podcast for more information on that. The next short take has to do with the missile warning that happened, I guess last last week or so, a couple of days ago, uh, where basically everyone in Hawaii got a missile warning on their phone, saying that a ballistic missile was going to touch down in Hawaii and that they're pretty much going to be destroyed. I know a lot of it was a false alarm, luckily. And a lot of friends who I spoke to out there, you know, they were telling me stories of how they basically had to call back home and tell their loved ones that that's it, they're going to die. And then 20 minutes later, it was, you know, saying, hey, this was a mistake, this is a drill. Uh, John Peisel has a story about how he basically like hid in his basement and told his family how much he loved him. Scary times we live in now. Uh, I'm. I think everybody knows my political leanings. I'm not going to get too into them um, and I don't want to politicize it, but you know, thank God something like that didn't happen. And I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to like, you know, I think if it was a couple of years ago, Um, and the way the geo landscape was we probably would have think twice about it being a warning you know nowadays we get a little nervous you know there's obviously conspiracy theories out there that there were a couple of loud bangs before it happened and like a missile was shot down and they're covering it up and all that kind of stuff who knows what it is I think it was a mistake honestly but thank god everybody's okay it's just some freaky shit to hear when you're actually out and out at pipe trying to catch bombs and, and there's actually warnings for real bombs Uh, must be pretty crazy the next short take i have is uh to talk a little bit about crowdfunding of surf videos so this isn't anything that's necessarily new and people have been doing this for a while i actually donated some video i mean i think it was like i'm gonna say maybe two years ago i can't even remember what it was Um, and i got some photo prints from it and all that kind of stuff i got my name in the credits and recently, What Youth launched a campaign uh, to crowdfund their video uh, trip where they were looking for ramps up and down the coast of California. And believe it or not, it basically got funded overnight pretty much. And we donated money and I thought it was cool. And it brought up this this whole thing because I talked to some filmmakers, uh, Tinoyeta, and as well as our boy, Ryan from LogRap, you know, how do you fund these surf films nowadays. You know, a lot of them are sponsored. They're directly sponsored where you have like in intense case, like Saturday's sponsors, his movies. So, you know, they pay a big part of it or whatever arrangement they have and their logos on it, and they distribute it and they host the parties and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that's easy for a lot of people to do because corporate marketing money in surfing, as we all know, with mergers that have been happening, is kind of drying up. So what do you, what is there to do? And I think the crowdfunding thing is really interesting. I know Lograp and I have uh, uh, two projects we're potentially working on. We'll probably be announcing uh, more concretely one of those projects in the next uh, two episodes. And we were actually talking today about, you know, is this something feasible that we could do? You know, can we actually crowdfund a feature length surf video, whatever that means, you know, a 45 minute -er. or? And it looks like nowadays you can do that. I also think it's really cool because you gauge your audience. You know, as a filmmaker, I think it's interesting because you get to see that direct touch point of like, okay, are these people really interested in what I have to say, or are they not? Like, if they're not, you know, maybe it's not a hundred percent worth a lot of effort into the thing you're doing. But you could really judge what the what you know, what the audience is gonna be pretty easily. And I think that's the other thing that's powerful besides the money on the crowdfunding thing. Um, so check out this, uh, thing that what youth did originally, I was going to just post the link to the thing being like, Hey, you know, why don't you guys help out and help this thing happen, but it happened overnight. So I guess there's nothing else you can do (laughs) with it. Um, but I just find the whole subject of crowdfunding, uh, film, really a surf film, especially really interesting. I notice they don't do it in skateboarding as much. Skateboarding is pretty much like you know straight up sponsor um, videos. You know even if it's just gonna go right to Thrasher or it's like homey videos like the Shep Dogs videos. Um, but maybe you know crowdfunding is something we need to look at more in the surf community, especially when it comes to film and art and uh, shaping product and all that stuff. So anyway, that's kind of my two cents on the thing and crowdfunding. And the last short take I have to do is. With uh, a mainstream movie that's coming out uh, pretty soon, uh, basically based on a family that moves to uh, Palos Verdes, uh, which is really interesting because Jennifer Garner's in it. Uh, it's called *The Tribes of Palos Verdes*, and it was a book uh, that was really popular, coming age book, and um, the Malloy brothers, who've done uh, Emmett and. Fred and Molloy do a lot of commercials. who have done like a bunch of videos who actually did thicker than water, uh, are do are directing this, this, uh, film. And they had a feature on it in monster children. And it's really interesting to check out, uh, because they wanted to make it really authentic, uh, and real to the South Bay scene. I'm curious to see what it's going to be like, uh, from the trailer, you know, obviously it's a Hollywood movie. I don't, there's not a huge focus on surfing is I think surfing is just a backdrop of like, almost how anyone grows up in california i would assume i didn't so i don't know but from stories i've been told it's pretty much skating surfing is just the backdrop of it Uh, but it looks really pretty it looks pretty awesome i suggest uh, checking it out when it comes out at least check out the trailer that we're linking to and the story of monster children and let us know what you think but anyway thanks for joining us uh, for another episode of the bodega board crew podcast hope you guys enjoyed it uh next week we have an interview with tin oyeda um who's directed movies such as daughter uh expensive porno movie free jazz vein we talk about his new movie that he's he's working on which i'm really excited to see uh and uh we'll have a couple other things i'm hoping to announce uh the project we're working on with uh with log wrap that's gonna be a little bit more solidified I think within the next two weeks but stay tuned for that uh, there might be a hashtag floating around look in our Instagram post in our Instagram account and you might figure out the name of the movie might do some crowdfunding for that or the other project but anyway I just want to leave you with our famous words of wisdom which are no need to bust a craze on a wave you know swell starting to come in I know everybody's frothing everybody wants to catch waves you know smile each other have a good time I know I've been meeting a lot a lot more people out there who just want to have a good time there's always going to be the people that want to be aggro and assholes out there but you know what don't let them get to you because the second they get to you they get to the whole lineup so anyway with that I'm going to leave you with a couple more tracks and I hope to see you guys out there peace
5: Back up, working with a monster Nah, everybody knows who got the shardest clothes And everybody knows you got the baddest hoes And white boys go wild, he's my idol And black boys say dude holding the title As the king of the Work Working in and out And the nigga still pimp white teeth up in his mouth I'm the truth from the boot it what you won't see I ain't gotta get money, man
6: I'm a fucking big timer. Move, ho, I ain't playing. Land in the projects in the big jet plane. Roll up. In an old ass Chevy vein. What your baby mama pussy, nigga, cause I can't. Now, dude on the
5: B- real, B- your bitch B- jockin' B- B- on the grill. Dude the real, B- your bitch B- jockin' on the grill. B- i about to clown, put it down. Y'all swing my nuts and show all y'all This the part where I get my phone number to all the girls that's hot. Down 976, that outside dick. 874, deep down in your throat. Have you ever seen a big stretch truck like that? I have you ever seen a big batch butt like that? But don't call out of a pants. What a bow-legged cowboy's thing. I'm a fucking big timer
6: is